0: Okay, so equity versus debt, both types of fundraising, talk about the sources of financing for both of them, talk about the process itself for equity, I'll drill down on equity specifically, and then talk about the timeline, how we'll project this into the future, and then um, dive deeper into Tizetti's own specific case on how we raised 5.1 million dollars. Um, so equity, we all, we all know what equity is, um, get investors to um, give you funds for an ownership stake in your business—it's um, more long-term. It's the most expensive um, in terms of all types of financing because you guys are tied together. So there's an exit. An exit may come from the business being acquired, or um, you're going to become a public company via an IPO. So it's, think of it like a marriage, and it's long-term. And it's very important you pick the right set of investors because you're going to be in bed with them for a very long time. Um. Good thing I want to pro about it though is that because they have a stake in your business, they can be helpful when you need their resources, so you can piggyback on them because they have vested interest in the business, right? But the process for that, getting that equity financing, is very rigorous, and I'll try to take um, try to simplify it and, and give everybody an understanding on how the process goes. Debt, on the other side, I would say is really relatively straightforward. Um, you need X amount of money. Um, you agree to pay the charge you an interest, and you pay that amount. Usually, we'll have a tenor how long you're going to um, have to repay that amount that you borrowed, and um, what are the you have with the debt. It's more hands off, so it's on, on on the equity side where investors are kind of involved in your business, depending on their directors or, or they're just stockholders, shareholders, as the case may be. With debt, you're, if you're getting a loan, it's more hands off, they just want to get maybe some time reports maybe quarterly annually just to show that you're, you're doing okay. And then you're, the evidence that you're doing okay is that like how you're repaying the debt itself. would say is risky because debt always sits above equity in terms of if anything goes wrong. So you have to pay back the people you owe before you even think about the shareholders themselves. Right, and in the event of this default if it's with the loan that's structured as some kind of asset as collateral you might lose that if you don't pay back. But if you also um, are structured such so that the shares, it's a company share, company's equity that you're using um, as collateral, you might lose the company in that scenario. Um, there's been various cases. If you think about it, TSLAT, right, and how they ended up being NIMOBA. and even other cases outside of Nigeria where um, the founders of the company have put, put personal guarantees for those loans. So even when the company goes bad, they can still claw back on some of your assets. So that's why I said it's kind of risky. So they both have their pros and cons. Um, in terms of um, sources of financing for both of them, for equity, you usually start off with your immediate network, which is your friends and family. Um, everybody goes, everybody more or less starts from this, depending on um, the kind of network you have. And then um, you can progress to angel investors, which are net network individuals that typically invest in different companies. Um, that will be the next level in terms of equity. Then once you're past that level, you can then attract either venture capital. If your business is one that um, it's, it's can be funded by venture capital. So it's a business that has a huge upside and can be a really big business. Or you can go the private equity route, which is they usually own the majority of the company and the higher management team. So you may not even be the one managing it, but you still have, may still have your stick. Or oh, and then finally everybody's, Kind of goal is if you can grow the business really huge and then um, it becomes a public company where anybody can can be your investor. So you have a wide pool of anybody pretty much yes. can buy stock. Sorry, is there a question? Okay. On the debt side, um, debt side usually starts small too. So the equivalent for friends and family, I would say, is the convertible notes where um, someone is, is borrowing you money, but they instead of paying back, or even if you're going to pay back, they have the option. To convert that debt into equity in the company, right? So usually small amounts. That um, maybe a friend of yours wants to give you money, but he's not too sure about the business you're doing. So he wants to be able to earn some interest while you're trying to seek other investors. So he will go with the convertible notes. Then, um, um, these, the form of debt that everybody understands very clearly is the bank. or well, banks usually won't give you anything except you have collateral, which is, which is um, which is funny because. You need the money to be able to get the assets for the business and to run the business and generate revenue to pay back the bank. But the bank requires collateral and assets. So which one comes before the other, which is why not a lot of people um, go with the bank route, except you have you have assets that you can put down. Well both funny enough, banks don't actually in Nigeria, in the context of Nigeria, they don't give loans. And even when they give the interest rate is huge, right? On the collateral side, if it's um, outside of Nigeria, um, there are firms that specialize in venture debt, which is almost the same thing like a convertible, same thing like almost like an equity round, but it has, it's, it's it's tied to you paying interest on the amount they give you. And then it can also convert to equity as the case may be, right? But in those scenarios, they don't ask for any other collateral other than um, basically the, the revenue that the business is generating that is secured on the revenue of the business, right? And, the same kind of firms, P, private equity firms and venture capital can also structure debt for you. So you could have a financing round where part of it is equity and part of it is debt too. And then the the equivalent for an IPO for me on the debt side would be like a bond or a commercial paper. Commercial paper is like a bond, but for a shorter tenure where you basically go out to the public, uh, talk to institutional investors and they can invest in your bond and your bond is tradable, maybe listed in, Nigeria, I think it's FMDQ. Right, so, this, so that's also from what you're paying, we we'll call the coupon, which is still interest, the fancy name for interest, okay? Now, for the equity fundraise process itself, um, I would say it starts with where your business is domiciled, right? Um, if your business is in Nigeria, you have to fundraise in Nigeria. But what has technically happened with most of the tech companies, oil and gas interest is we've seen that it's difficult attracting investment from Nigeria Nigeria because they're limiting the, the, the pool of people that can invest in your business. You usually will reincorporate will, will your company in some other foreign domain. If it's in Africa, you still want to be in to to Africa, it will be Mauritius. In the US, if it's in the US, it will be, you try to get a Delaware, reincorporate as a Delaware company. We did that for in um, December, 2016. But that way, all of a sudden, you now have this pool of net investors that can now invest in a company outside of Nigeria. But before you get to get to that, you, your first round is your friends and family round using 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 convertible notes. And the documentation you need is more or less like an executive summary. You're just writing down your thoughts on what you think this business is, what you think the potential is, and then you share it around it and you as an attachment, send it to your friends and those of them that I think that um, you have some entrepreneurial skills will come in it's also the most riskiest round because if the business business is not proven then so at that point um they could pretty much lose their money if the business doesn't succeed but it's also the best because if you come in really early the business is really small so you can have a sizable chunk versus paying for a larger amount down the road right and it also helps your friends and family put in it because they are the ones that can actually give you feedback immediately of your business those kind of questions that you're going to answer down the road for investors you already start answering them from your friends, right? And then next thing you should do is execute on, on a business on the business plan. So you've written your executive summary and say you want to do this. next thing should actually be get some traction on the business. I know some people focus on, oh, I need money to get the business, but you can actually bootstrap the business with just a little capital that you've for your friend. Try to grow the business a little bit. And in that interim period, when you feel that you're starting to get to close to where um, it makes a lot of sense and you need, you seriously need more capital before you run out of capital. So always try to fundraise before you run out of money. Um, you should prepare an investor deck or presentation. What basically is, is um, description of the business, the financial projections for the next couple of years and what you want to use the funds itself for. It also includes um, things like your team that you have already, your team that you, you potentially want to hire and some kind of roadmap of whether you, you, you see the business over the next couple of years. Then once you've made that deck, you should make a list of dream investors that you would love to invest. So you say, oh, um, who do I want to invest? Maybe they have some kind of um, network that you want to leverage for and some other reason, right? So you've made that list, but next step is wake up and stop dreaming. It's not going to happen. So your business is very early stage. I know I said that, but really um, they probably won't invest. And what you should really be doing is building relationship with some of them, the ones that you can. So if it's conferences, if it's um, you know people that know them, you start getting to know them and then start sending them updates on all the businesses. Because normally, if your business is too early stage, nobody's really going to invest at that stage. Um, so I had one VC I was always emailing, and then they'll give you feedback. You can go to them for advice. You are building relationship so that in the future, when you actually are get get to the size in which they can invest, or or you develop enough traction. Then you can, it's not as if you're just hearing about you for the first time. They've seen how how you've been progressing, how fast your business is growing, right? So in the interim, you have your, your presentation ready to go. You should grow your business till you hit a major milestone. It could be a revenue milestone. It could be a product milestone, right? Then get pressed to feature that milestone. So yeah, now your business has progressed a little bit and then you can get pressed. The reason being is you've been building this relationship with investors. They've been seeing how your progress is. All of a sudden, they just wake up one day and the you know, one with being featured in some kind of news. That usually is the trigger for them to say, okay, okay, so these guys are going somewhere. Let me, let me take it now. Um, better look at them, a closer look at them, right? So at that point, you already have your deck. You just update it with the latest information. You create a data room. The data room is all the information about your company that any investor can just look at and see how you're doing. And I'll go into details on it in the next slide and then you start practicing your pitch what you're gonna say. Um, you don't want, investors don't have a lot of time. They talk to a lot of people. You wanna be able to refine your pitch so that you can nail it on the, on the when, you, when you're talking about your business, you're very good at doing it. Then what now happens is from that list you already have, you can then start asking, pitching to those set of investors. Some may say yes, some may say no, but in every, every step of the way, you should always ask for um, feedback, right? And I would say, when you look at that, you start with the least important so that you get better at pitching them so that you get better at answering the questions that they ask, because they usually typically go answer, answer on the same type of questions. But if you've answered it, when it doesn't matter as much, Right? when I say least important, right? You now get better and then you, you, you as you're talking around, you get more confidence as you go through the process, right? And every step of the way, even if someone doesn't say yes or no, you, say, you should always ask them, is there anybody you think I should be talking to that might be interested? They may even do introductions. Now, there's a catch 22 with that. If someone didn't invest, it's likely when you invest you to another person, that person might not invest. But it's part of also just growing your network and then having this additional list of investors that you keep updating so that in future, because someone said no today, doesn't mean they can't say yes down the road. Okay, I've had investors that very early but later on, they, 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 they invested in us. So then if investors are serious, there's a lead investor, he will now con- conduct what is an initial due diligence. So all that information you were saying, right, um, that you put in your data room, right, the investor now wants to check it to be sure that you are not lying, right? More or less as far as, as, as best as they can. Then they will now give you a term sheet Right, which says the terms on which they're investing. Okay, I'm going to give you X amount for 20% of your business and I'm going to get a board seat and I'm going to just sub- align some of the hell level terms that um, they want to come in. That also protects them how frequently they you should send them updates and all of that. Usually we'll negotiate the terms in the term sheet, get a good lawyer because this is now, remember when I said this is a marriage, so you, you should be getting. You should ensure that most of the things protects you, protects them, interest you. And then, once you have signed off the term sheet, you do conduct final due diligence. So this is really checking everything. Not some boots. Who are the existing investors? And my point before on, on Nigeria. If you're in Nigeria, make sure you are not taking money. You're not taking an investment from any politically exposed person because that way, no new investors will check because they're going to check every single share that you already have. Before they even put additional money so if you in the friends and family round make sure the high network individuals that you're that taking money from are clean and quote. then you close the round and hey everyone's happy you announce it as the case may
1: the reason being
0: announcing is you want people to first of all they've heard about you when you talk when you hit that milestone next is about the fundraise what that does for you is it creates more visibility and even creates more investors that will be interested in you when you get your next fundraise right and then you continue executing, maintain investor relations, maintain good relationship with investors. Um, So maybe difficult as the case, maybe manage them. I think of the same way you manage a boss if you're working in in an organization, you have your board meetings from time to time, and then you execute to meet your projections. So those projections that you already put in as part of the index, they're gonna hold you to it. So you wanna be sure that you get the money that you're also hitting those milestones. And then you go through this whole process again, every time you raise the financing. To what's usually in a data room, it will be your corporate structure. Um, for example, if you're a little larger where in two countries, it will be um, all the subsidiaries and all the information about them, the certificate of incorporation, list of shareholders. Then you also have a financial section where you, all your financial statements are there. Please get an auditor from year one, um, pay your taxes too. Um, you're gonna ask for all of those kind of things. And then the projections you made on how the business is going to, over the next three to five years. Right. Then they'll also do the business side of things, which is the kind of markets where you, um, what whatever service you're providing, or product you're selling, right? Um, how you're going to acquire customers when they give you this money, how you're going to use the funds, and then competitor to the analysis, which shows it gives the investors a, uh, understand that you understand the market you are, who your competition is, right? And then uh, your KPI, so what have you achieved today? So fine, production is money, but there may be other things, how many customers you have, so, sorry, can, you, can we all mute our phone? So that. Um, okay. And then the also a section about your technology or whatever service you're selling on your team. Very important because we all know that it's a team that actually drives those results. So, they'll actually your team buyers' or resume of all your. Team. Okay, can we hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. One second. So, um, so in terms of fundraiser timeline, so I drew the timeline from start, friends and family, which I said zero revenue. You're just starting off, all the way to an IPO, right? So we start off with um, friends and family. Then you do what is a, what I'll call a precede round, where your friends, you're still less than half a million dollars in revenue. You're still building the product, not necessarily that much revenue at that point in time. So you now do a full seed run when you can actually get real investors. So it may be angel investors. It may be a firm too that might be interested in you. At that point, you are doing revenue of about half a million to 1.5. Now, these numbers vary. I'm just trying to put them in the average range. Right there, you have a functioning product or service and you're generating some kind of revenue. The next, which is the most important one, is if you really have a product and you are, you are, you are going places, you will now be ready for what we call a series A Where you're there, you're typically a series A company where you're going between one to seven million in revenue. You have a cheap product market fit. the business is is basically selling stuff. You just need more resources to market, right? And you have a strategy. So you need money to actually grow, grow the business. But so everything you've done up to series A is is you're playing, not playing, but yeah, yeah, you're building the business, right? from that series A point it's now a serious business. Then, series B is the growth stage. So, most companies that you can think of, most startups are in the series B stage where they are doing seven to 10 million in revenue. Um, they've had an experienced team, um, they have a management team in place. Um, even founders may not be doing as much, uh, depending on how how you rate Series, um, right? And then, series C is then the business is really big, it's 10 to 100 million You're developing new products, you're expanding into new markets right so the business is growing really big and then series d is what you just do slightly before an ipo some people have ef but these is the average where you are now a huge business you just want one last round to get to the finish line and you're doing about 100 million in revenue you're getting everything because now you're not going to be a public company the SEC is on you and all of that and then you your ipo which is you sell your shares to everyone retail investors and then but in every state, even at the IPO, you're actually raising money from those investors. So there's always money you're raising at every point in time as you grow the business and grow the business very large. Very large. Okay, um, Tzede. So for Tzede um, itself, we're an unlimited internet service provider. I got the idea, I'm um, doing my master's in Canada where um, it was the first time I was using my school and one of the first schools that had campus-wide Wi-Fi around the entire school. So I wrote, um, I just had my blog, then I wrote a post about what I see myself doing after my master's, but I didn't do anything. I didn't, I just had the idea, but didn't do anything about it. So I came back to Nigeria in 2009 with Exxon. I got hired by Exxon in Canada and went back to Nigeria. Right, and working with Exxon within the first year, I had a mortgage in Nigeria and in Canada, and I decided, man, I think I need to make some extra money to be able to, to balance everything. So I had this idea of a movie streaming box, which is like um, any of the streaming boxes, uh, our smart TVs do, um, do that for us now with Netflix and all of that. But um, I, I've thought about selling that box to people, right, with movies on it. But when I looked around, I didn't own the movies, right? So I had to make um, deals with the content owners in Hollywood and Iroko TV, um, right, in Nigeria. And then I needed internet for the box too. So anybody that was going to buy the box to use it to watch movies needed to have internet too. And internet is expensive in Nigeria. So I was banking on Swift then had unlimited plan but Swift now canceled the unlimited internet plan. So I was like, okay, this box is kind of useless. I don't want anything apart from the box. Um, So I saw an opening in the market. And I then, given that I'm doing my master, I thought about how to deliver internet. And I decided to go for it. And I started first with the estate I lived in, um, French Colonial Estate, went to, God referred to another estate close by, which was Carlton Gate Estate. Carlton Gate Estate, the chairman his brother too was a nice school in um, an estate in phase one called Treasure Garden. And then from there, we just kept on going all the way to Crown. But by the time a few years, we had covered most of the major estates in, um, in Lekki. And then someone convinced me that, hey, you can make this into a business, like right? instead of just doing it part-time and all that. And then we went into Lagos mainland and we just kept on growing like that. We've gone to another state of the states. We're not even in another country, Ghana. So we just kept on going and growing and growing. And um, um, we're now in multi-billion revenue company. Um, just started off for my best quarters in France Colony. Right. Um, so my own fundraising journey, right? Um, so same thing. I follow the same steps I'm giving you. I sent my friends and family email to um, my closest friends. I couldn't, the funny thing, I couldn't even leverage my networking mobile because I didn't want anybody to know that I was doing this, right? So when I sent it to all my media friends, I was (laughs) always, what kind of business are you trying to do? Where there's MTN, I got only one response from, funny enough, my co-founder, if I, right? I didn't take the money then, I was just like, you know what, um, we'll just keep going, so we, we strapped. So from the revenue from the business itself, we just kept growing, building new towers, and then growing and growing. And then um, we got validation. After a few years, um, NCC had this hackathon where they wanted businesses to come and um, demo what they were doing. And we got we came second run up. We got 500k. That was a huge boost then for the for the team itself. They were like, right so we're onto something. we doing something really good. But we kept on growing like that, and we did something that that nobody had done. We were able to get to a million in revenue without any investors. So you see why I stress executing your business is not because people always think that fundraising is what is success. Success is actually getting customers and the revenue from them and making profit from them. Right? After that, around the time we we're getting to a million, we also now got accepted in, into Y combinator, which is an accelerator in Silicon Valley. And that's what made us reincorporate the company in the U.S. And then off of that, we had a demo day when we pitched to um, investors in Silicon Valley and some investors all over the world um, come for that event. And we were then able to raise 2 million at that time, which was one of the largest seed um, rounds in Nigeria, at the time very Nigerian company at the time. And then on the back of that, we tripled revenue. Then we also raised our series A. Um, so um, between both rounds, we've raised about $5.1 million. And I uh, just wanted to show it. this was the email I sent to most of my friends. Uh, well, a friend of mine sent it to them on my behalf. I said, hey, I'm sure that Ken has reached out to you about a startup, focusing on high-speed Wi-Fi, particularly in Lagos. Initially, I sent on my deck, which is the same thing I told you to do to have your presentation ready to go. And then I tried to give them very good terms. If anybody had bought this, <laughs> invested in this, will own significant amount of severity. Um, and, hey, um, we kept going and um, got early press. So this was on international MUNI um, Wireless, which was one of the bigger uh, Wi-Fi wireless um, blogs at the time in 2014, which covered our, our launch in Lekki, when we now left the states and we're now in Lekki phase one. And then TechLoy, which was um, one of the bigger, was the biggest thing. um Tech, tech um, publication in Nigeria also covered us. And from this was when everybody else started taking um, so I said, Oh wow, who's doing this business? But nobody knew who was behind the company because I was still moonlighting um, it the next Sunday. And then this was when we won the hackathon. You can see my team really happy, showing that yes, we're going places, um, won 500K. We've turned that 500K into raising $5 million by just steadily just working really hard and growing the business over time. And this is when I got to Y Combinator. Um, this was my demo day when I picked up on my business in front of all the who's who in Silicon Valley I mean, like I called the top investors there. And they all, and we raised two million from that and then the rest, as you say, is history. Okay. Um, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, thanks very much, Kendall. Um, really appreciate time and your time to talk us through. So, um, I guess I'll leave it open to the guys if